and welcome to Cecil Radio, a chance to talk through various questions about the new accounting standard. I'm Susan Weber, 26-year banker, first wave Cecil adopter, now helping others through the process. With me today is Barry Dunn Principal, Lisa Openshaw. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Susan. It's great to be here today with you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for this special episode of Cecil Radio. I'm really excited. But before we get to all of that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Great. Well, Susan, I'm a principal in our financial services practice, working with financial institutions for almost 28 years. So I love helping clients navigate opportunities and challenges as the banking industry has continuously changed over the last three decades. Cecil has been on the radar for most of the last one. (laughs) That probably feels like 28 years right there, right? It does. (laughs) Well, it's a little fun fact, maybe, that I first met Lisa during an audit, right? An audit that she was doing on work that I oversaw at the time, as I recall, right, Lisa? That is correct. I greatly enjoyed working with you as a client at that point, and, and now I get the opportunity to work with you as a peer. Well, I, and I feel the exact same way. I mean, time really flies. I think it's been 12 or 13 years ago now, and you know, I'm not sure that it's really typical that your auditors can be fair requiring and also your friends, but I certainly feel like that's one of the things I've always appreciated about the way you and Barry Dunn in general conducts business. So, so happy to be on the same team. Well, I will say Barry Dunn has a great collaborative team of, of people that, and that's really one of the reasons why I'll spend my entire professional career here at Barry Dunn. Oh, that's excellent. Well, and one other fun fact, you've recently taken on an important role with the Boston chapter of the Financial Managers Society. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, well, I am a newly elected membership officer for the Boston chapter of FMS, Um, so I'm excited to work much more closely with financial institutions uh, all throughout the Northeast. Well, congratulations, and I know that you and I are going to be attending the FMS East Coast Regional Conference in Newport, Rhode Island in mid-September, and this will be my first regional meeting, so I'm really looking forward to being there with you and seeing what all of that's all about, meeting as with as many of, of the attendees as possible, and talking about one of our favorite topics, right, Cecil? <laughs> Yes, it's it's going to be a, a great event. Um, and Susan, you're presenting on Tuesday morning, the second day of the conference on September 20th. Can you give us a, a little bit of a sneak peek preview? Ooh, let's see. Sure. Yes. The answer is yes. Always yes. Um, I'll be sharing some of my personal experiences immediately leading up to and through the first few years of adoption. Uh, No doubt it's been a very busy and nerve-wracking time for many people um, whenever they hear the word Cecil. (laughs) Well, I think probably most especially because it's been so stop and start, you know, I I think, you know, for myself and many others that I've had the pleasure of working with, I think the feeling is probably best uh, summarized as some combination of relief and sheer terror, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Relief that after many of those stops and starts, here we finally are, and maybe even some are thinking, let's do this already, let's just go, and maybe a little terror in that there's still so much to do and learn along the way. 
Um, I, I sometimes think of these kind of weird analogies or fun analogies, hopefully. And, and I think it's a little bit like that moment on the roller coaster, right? You've just gone up and up and up to that first drop and it's slowing down at the very top and the anticipation builds and then whoosh. So I guess the way I would summarize the session is we're going to talk about that final build up to the top and that whoosh that comes right after. <laughs> Well, that certainly is a great analogy. Cecil has been a roller coaster ride for many. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, those analogies are where people can really relate to the feeling of them and the sensation of them. And, and sometimes they're just fun and we can all laugh. And I think it's really kind of breaks up that seriousness uh, of the topic, right, of Cecil as a topic. It's really going to be okay. <laughs> it will. We'll get through it. We will, As for sure. we are nearing the end of 2022, um, you know, how can people maximize this last quarter or two before mm. adoption? I think that's going to be a, a key topic that we want to think about knowing where we are here and now. Absolutely. I, I guess I would say um, there's probably three things that immediately come to mind. Um, the first one is demonstrate that you know how your model and methodology work, why you made the decisions you did and why you believe the reserve that it ultimately produces is really your best estimate of expected losses. And the place to do all of this is in your CECL and model documentation. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> um, I think the second thing is making sure that everyone understands their role and responsibilities and when and how they're going to be held accountable, right? So this clarity is at the heart of what we often think of as governance and control, really defining that oversight, putting well thought out policies and procedures in place and creating an appropriate system of checks and balances. And, and then I guess third, I would say educate and communicate. CECL is a really significant change. It needs to be discussed often. What you know, why you're testing, what you don't know, and how and when you're addressing any and all of that. And it's not just internally uh, with management and the board, but it's also with your advisors, right? Like your auditing team. That is a great point. There'll be extra procedures that must be done in this first year of the CESOL audit cycle, um, such as expanded scope due to the day one implementation, uh, additional time to review files and documents. And so it's really going to roll up into a lot of extra time and one-time costs for the adoption that institutions need to consider. That is a really good point. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think people should just be prepared for that, you know, and, and if and if people who are listening haven't already, I really strongly suggest that you find out as soon as possible how your external auditor is planning to approach this work, right? To Lisa's point, there's probably extra time and probably some incremental costs above and beyond your normal engagement as a result of that. So um, you'll want to know specifically what they're going to want to review and when, right? So, you know, in short, I guess you could be asking for what they might be referring to as their CECL audit planner guide. That's what we've created for our clients. Um, and we're going to be sharing that uh, with them in the next uh, week or so, so that they will have an understanding and appreciation for what that's going to look like uh, come 2023. Great. And so following up on something you said about education and communication, um, can you give some examples of what people may not yet know that they'll continue mm. working through after adoption? Sure. I, so many things come to mind. Um, 
I think I'll probably highlight just these two. So one example is folks have probably spent so much time trying to figure out their model and that day one dollar transition number that they may not even realize that they do not yet know how to forecast and budget for CECL provision expenses ongoing. And there's a tricky element to that because of the ongoing reasonable and supportable forecasts and the way they may be uh, implementing them or the way that they might be affecting their reserve levels where that that forecast and budget is going to shift right over over time. And most vendors and software can't really help them with that piece either, right? So because that's really a different exercise than that point in time estimate of lifetime losses, which is what their models are designed to give them. So I think that's one big one that people need to think through. And, and I've also seen some vendor models with absolutely zero flexibility for banks to even test the effects of other inputs and scenarios like economic conditions, right? So management teams may not even really fully understand yet or appreciate how sensitive their models are and under what types of conditions, right? They they may be affected. So they may have to be uh, running, they may be running in parallel now, but if they haven't encountered all of the different types of things that could have influenced their model outcomes, um, they may have to just gain that with some experience. And so um, I think people are going to learn an awful lot about their vendor and their model limitations and what that really means to the institution in the, in the first year or two of adoption. No, it's a great point. We've, we've worked on some CECL model validations together, Susan, and this lack of flexibility has certainly come up mm -hmm. uh, as we've worked through those. What advice do you have for people who may be in a situation where they have not been able to effectively test? Well, I think first and foremost, I'm a big uh, advocate of being transparent about it. You know, I think you could identify the fact that there is this lack of flexibility to test as a limitation in and of itself. And I would and I would say that they should talk about why they're comfortable with taking that risk, right, with their chosen vendor, you know, and make sure that um, in that education and communication that you're going to be, you know, people are going to be doing that we talked about earlier, that you disclose this to those have who have governance over your model and your model process. So it may be necessary even to have some higher end oversight involved in more details of the model in the first one or two years of running the new model um, than might have been true, you know, previously under the ALLL that everybody was used to, or it just may be prudent to establish some tighter thresholds, right? So the model results don't get away from, from people and catch others by surprise. Is there anything they could do any differently? Well, that's a really good question. So um, in terms of maybe doing something a little bit differently with CECL, I, I guess a couple of things come to mind. First, if you would normally run your CECL calculation only a few times a year, like maybe quarterly or a couple of times a year, you may want to opt to run it monthly for some period of time. This would allow you and your teams to get uh, used to researching and determining what causes reserve changes period over period. So taking advantage of a monthly calculation will will help give you some of that experience. Um, some vendors may also offer some enhanced analysis services. And I know that some institutions are really struggling with that concept of I've already paid a vendor for the model. I don't want to have to keep paying them more and more money for these ancillary services. But I guess I would uh, challenge that way of thinking just to say that it might be just the thing you need for your management teams and for your team uh, to really gain some additional experience with the model 
before maybe assuming those services yourself, right? So maybe you become a consumer of those services for a year or two and with the idea that your teams will be able to take that that analysis piece over. And then I guess the third thing would be um, there are challenger models, right? There's the ability to sort of have a different model be a challenger model. You could use uh, the Fed's Ellie model for that. Um, there may be other providers that'll do a, a quick challenger model for you. And, and that'll help you kind of gauge those period over period changes changes and, and uh, third-party reviews are another one um, that you could take advantage of. All would help you just gain some additional clarity and some robust challenge over uh, the model results if you just lack that flexibility to be able to do some of the testing yourself. Those are all great points, Susan. And, and I know your session, uh, Likens Living with Cecil, is becoming a really good long-distance runner. Another great analogy, I must say. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I think there are just so many similarities to what it's been like getting ready for Cecil. Um, you know, maybe at sometimes it's felt like a sprint to the finish or more like a, a sprint than and a long distance run. But living with Cecil is definitely going to be more more like a marathon. And you need to have, you know, different training, different muscles, different priorities, you know, to, to have, uh, you know, a situation where you're living with something long term. So I think it's it's incumbent upon people to start thinking really strategically about what that next year two, three or four are going to look like. Uh, so at this point, Lisa, any parting thoughts or advice from your perspective as people look to retire the incurred loss model uh, that served us pretty well over the last, I guess, 45 or so years? Yeah, Susan, you've, you've shared a lot of great information that I'm sure has been thought-provoking um, for those listening in today. So as we near day one implementation, and I guess if um, institutions still have questions that Susan or our team can help navigate, you know, just simply please reach out to us as we'd love to hear from you. That's great. And I think it would be good for us to include our Ask the Advisor feature uh, in with the podcast information, because certainly that's an opportunity for, for people to pose direct questions to us that maybe we can take up in a future podcast or simply, you know, respond to them one-on-one. -on -one. A reminder that you can find Lisa and me at the East Coast Regional FMS Conference in Newport, Rhode Island, September 18th to the 20th. We'd love to talk to you all then. So if you've listened to today's podcast, you have questions or you just want to put faces and names together, please do seek us out. We would love the opportunity to chat with you. And we really appreciate you joining us today. Have a great day, everybody.